0: You're listening to the Family Discipleship Podcast, a podcast of training the church.
1: This is Cassie Bryant and Chelsea Griffin. We are honored to be in the presence of true greatness today with theologian Caroline Smiley. That's right, we have a girl squad for today's episode. If you're a man and you're listening, hang in there with us. We promise it'll be worth it. Caroline, we'd love to just introduce you. We have all been together. We've worked together. We've been at church together. You used to be on staff at the Village Church. We worked together in children's ministry, and then you worked for the Institute as a paid professional theologian, and now you're an unpaid professional theologian (laughs) and an unpaid mother. I hear that's not paying well either. Um, Would love to just hear how you're doing. Yeah, I'm doing great, you know.
2: I like to think that I am paid in my job as a mother because I um, charge my husband for, you know, all the childcare. So that works (laughs) out well. 50% turns out. Oh, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, that was a joke. I don't charge him for childcare because what I'm doing is not childcare. (laughs) It's parenting. You're mothering.
1: It's a a more than full-time job. It does sometimes feel like childcare. Like just throw Cheerios at him. I remember when Maven was a toddler, I'd give her like a full box of Kleenexes and see how long it would take her to pull all the Kleenexes out just because I needed her to like stay occupied for a couple minutes.
2: Yeah, trying to navigate like having school deadlines and also toddlers has um, definitely increased my... Uh, repertoire of what activities will take a really long time and not need
1: mom's (laughs) assistance. Okay. Speaking of school, where are you at school? What are you studying? Tell us more.
2: Yeah. So I'm working on a PhD in New Testament, specifically in Luke on the infancy narrative. So really looking at Mary, the mother of Jesus. So convenient for our topic of theology and motherhood today. Um, and I'm doing that at the University of Aberdeen. So it is all, which is in Scotland. So it's all distance and a lot of this kind of thing. That's a lot of calls and and FaceTime, and then a lot of sitting in a library by myself and reading um, and
1: writing. You will surely get to go to Scotland at some point,
2: well, Lord willing, but the pandemic has really blown up those plans. So yeah. hopefully next year, it should all be aligned between our policies and their policies and all of that. Yeah. so.
1: Well, Hopefully you know if you need a traveling see. companion um, a girl. your <laughs> so. uh, girl. Well, today's topic is about how all mothers are theologians and what that means. Uh, is there anything today that we are going to talk about that does apply to fathers or grandparents or next-gen volunteers in their churches? What doesn't, really, you know? I agree. Yeah. So
2: I would say, I think we talk a lot about, or I mean, not we specifically, but like the larger church community can talk a lot about fathers as spiritual leaders. And so I think anytime we're talking about theology, you know, you want to think about that. But I think any of us that are involved with children on a daily basis have a huge role of spiritual leadership in your home. So I think a lot of what I'm excited to talk about is sort of the theology of that. And um, yeah, there's a lot of Cheerios and a lot of throwing goldfish at them and stuff. But there's also a lot of just thinking about God's purposes, even in those moments, you know, and that applies Mm -hmm. to all of us, whoever is with the kids at any point in time. You could be a nanny. This applies to you too.
0: Yeah, sure. That's so good. Absolutely. We are all theologians. We are all called to know and understand God, right? The scriptures say, let the one who boasts, boasts that he knows and understands me. So that's for everybody. Absolutely. Parents, grandparents, nannies, and not to mention our children's ministry volunteers at our church. Man, they play such a huge role in investing in our kids and they have our kids ears and attention. Um, in a way that we're so grateful for that we just can't be that. And they're so vital to the church and uh, to our family. So, Caroline, I know you just told us a little bit about you, but guess what? We want to know more. So, will you tell us a little bit about your family and your theological journey?
2: Sure. So, it feels kind of funny introducing myself to you guys since we've known each other for so very, very long. Um, But it's so fun to be with y'all. So, my family, I'm married to... Brian, Brian and I are high school sweethearts. We've been together for 17 years, y'all. 17, Um, just hit 13 years married, and we've got three kids. Margaret is seven, and Cecilia is five, and Wade is two. So, um, they take up, you know, a lot of my time. That's where a lot of my time goes. But uh, I do try to do theology, sort of in the the corners of my life, free time, you know, all that free time that I have. Um, But in terms of kind of how I got here, I guess, I think that, um, you know, my theological journey really started when I was a kid in my family. And so um, I think about that a lot, in fact, as I'm raising my own family. But I grew up in a home where we went to church and youth group was a big part of my activity in life. And youth group was great. I learned so much about the Lord. I learned to walk with the Lord. Um, But... I learned about the Lord in a way that really taught me how to behave more than anything. And Mm -hmm. it felt like uh, I was kind of given a view of the world where faith was in one compartment and Everything else was in the other. And I just did not see how those things went together at all. It felt like these two separate categories, you know, like faith is something that's spiritual, that you do, that's private, that's inside, internal. And then, um, you know, God doesn't really have a whole, whole lot else to do with the rest of the world outside of just how you, you know, choose to behave and it honestly wasn't until I went to seminary in, I guess, right after college or shortly after college, which I totally went on a whim. It was during the recession and I didn't, my husband was working, my job got cut in terms of funding. I was twiddling my thumbs and a friend was like, hey, I think you'd enjoy this. And so I just, you know, signed up for a full load of classes because why not, I guess. <laughs> and... um I sat down on the first day and was like, wow, this is exactly what I'm supposed to do. Um, It just brought together so many of the things that the Lord had wired in me. But I think, but more importantly than that, I heard the story of scripture or um, a view of the world taught for the first time that integrated everything, that explained the entirety of the Bible, the entirety of this world. And I found myself just um, with my mind blown. And I understood myself and the Lord and my role in the world um, in a totally different way. And it just so drastically changed my view of God, my um, worship of Him, that I wanted to be able to help other people have that same experience and understand that. And for me, a lot of that had to do with sort of how I grew up and the story of God that I, I heard from a young age. And so I started working in children's ministry, my first job in ministry little fun fact was working for Cassie Bryant, um, which is funny.
1: And, um, you're still the best hire I've ever made. (laughs) I'm just like, so sad we don't work together anymore. And I was, for the record, you didn't work for me long before you really like rose to the top. So
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that, but anyway, so I started working in children's ministry, um, for a whole lot of reasons, but I was a little bit skeptical about it, to be honest, at first. Um, I didn't think I was like a huge kid person. Um, but I found that A, I am, and B, that teaching theology to kids is one of the most important things that we can do. And it can sound really simple. A lot of my seminary classmates would be like, oh, of course you're doing children's ministry. And I'm like, yeah, have you tried to boil down the deep things of God to simple and non heretical? ways to teach children while also making it interesting to them. It turns out that's, you know, massively challenging. So that was that was kind of the start of my theological journey and then yeah, I went back to school um now I'm teaching our theological training ministry at Eastside as a lay deacon so that's kind of my other free time occupation at the moment. Um so I get to I do teach a lot of theology to adults now but um I really do value or think that my most important job is the theology I teach to my kids. And so that takes up a lot of my time. Um it's just trying to be focused on how I'm framing the world for them and um and
1: teaching them about the lord and their role in this world and yeah awesome well, we thank god for you caroline we just yeah love you. um <laughs> this is going to be for all of us we're going to have a few questions where we're going to answer them together um since we're all mothers and theologians uh and parents and so the first one is how has being a mother affected your theology how has it affected the way that we see and know god so how's motherhood kind of changed that for us
0: i'd love to hear what you guys think um yeah i'm not a certified theologian just uh uh, just a regular one. I think I had, until I became a mom, I think I had a little distortion to the gospel, which is that I understood God to save us because he was merciful and his salvation of us showed his glory and his goodness and his kindness. But i had heard a message a lot that um, that I think I probably twisted in my own mind and heart, but maybe you've heard someone preach the gospel a little bit like this with this hint of like, You are worthless and terrible. You're a dirty, awful sinner, but God is really generous, so he saved you. Have y'all heard anything like Mm -hmm. that before? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Where the value, we're totally stripped of any inherent value or worth, and everything is to glorify and magnify God's goodness and generosity, right? And I think just a lot of things in my life caused me to really kind of grab onto that and feel like that was true, I I felt like that was kind of a definition of humility was to see yourself as being like garbage and God being holy and good. And um, that really puts a cap on how much you can love God, by the way, Mm. is thinking of yourself being made by him and made in his image and yet somehow worthless and a piece of garbage, right? Um, But yeah, I think some things were just kind of mixed up for me and I think it wasn't really until I had something as tangible as a newborn baby boy Mm. to love and to care for and to provide for. And I slowly came to realize that I was believing things and and kind of telling myself things that I would never in a million years say to my son, Mm. that I would never say, you don't deserve dinner, Mm. but mommy's generous. I don't ever Mm. do that. I would never do that. I found out that providing for my children, just, I mean... When they were newborn babies, just going to get them when they're crying in their crib, man. I loved that. And to think that I could love dearly and treasure someone um, just because they're mine and never count it against them that they don't exactly contribute, so to speak, right? But they still have value and worth. And so mm-hmm. I feel like that really helped reframe the gospel for me that um, God loves his children. He really does. I had thought that that was maybe general, something I could agree with in a general sense. He loves the world. God so loved the world. But the individual type love that parents have for their children reframed for me the way God must see us and reframed mm-hmm. the gospel that something is only as valuable as the price someone's willing to pay for it. So Absolutely. if God was willing to pay the ultimate price for us Mm -hmm. to get us back. The same way if my children were kidnapped and ransomed, what would I not give to get them back, right? I would give absolutely anything. And in the same way, the Father values us and loves us and treasures us. And He wants us to be in relationship with Him. In order to do that, He had to do something about the sin that was separating us. And so all that just made a lot more sense to me. And really, honestly, it just made me love and worship and treasure God the Father so much more than just thinking that I was a worthless piece mm-hmm. of garbage that he mercifully saved. So that w- that really was a big turn for me, honestly.
1: I love that, I got chills because I, I remember feeling so similarly just that delight, the delight that we have in our children and how that's how he sees us. And there's just so much joy and like, and I think also the other thing that changed almost instantly, I remember the very first night we brought our oldest home and she was sitting in my lap and I just remember this eternal perspective kind of clicked into view of just like, the hope that I had for our our eternal relationship that she would know and profess faith and um, that someday we'd be sisters in Christ and his presence for all of eternity. You know, it's like yeah. they're just it kind of all, you know, just shifted into focus a little bit more clearly. And all the things that didn't really matter, I think kind of just melted away. Now, of course, those things t- tend to creep back in and, you know, our flesh kind of, likes to grab onto those like temporal things and the things that we want to make much of today and this year and in the next 20 or 30 years or whatever it is. But um, that kind of eternal perspective when there, I mean, all of a sudden there's this new person in the room, like this miracle, you know, of life and, and there's, they have this soul and it's just amazing. It's just so incredible. And so I feel like my, my view of all of that just got so much bigger. And then the idea that like our God, our creator, our heavenly father delights in us the way that we delight in our children. and and I'm just so glad he's, you know, more long suffering and slower to anger than I am mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And so I think that's the other thing is like thinking about his attributes and how I aspire and want to be, you know, more like him um, in the way that I parent so that I can, you know, be a tangible um just picture to our kids of what he's like, you know.
2: You said it so well, there's there's very little to add. I, I definitely think that um, it was so interesting to have all of these sort of theological categories for God's love and ways to talk about it or to describe um, academic terms, you know. And then like in particular, as Chelsea was saying, to experience that was so um, perspective shifting to really understand how much God loves us and that he gave us parenting and parent child relationships as a way to communicate to us the love that he has for us. Mm. That this is not, he's not fitting things together. He designed parenthood as a way to explain the love that He has for us, among other things. But I think that um, that was uh, truly mind-blowing to understand and to experience um, the love that you have for a child, and then to recognize that the Father loves you specifically even more. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think the other thing, too, that I thought about a lot, um, I think a lot about the idea of participating with God. I think that was one of the things that really was a huge change in perspective for me in seminary was understanding that the kingdom of God is certainly not yet, but it also is already here. And so we have a real role in carrying out that kingdom of God. And um, what does it mean to participate with God and, you know, to walk Mm -hmm. in the good works that he has prepared before us. And so then when I'm looking at my children and they want to help, you know, they really want to do things. And the way that. I get so worked up about um, am I doing things right for the Lord? What does the Lord think about all of the things that I'm doing? Or you know, kind of, uh, I can get up in my head about the the Christian works, you know, the works of our life. But then when I look at how I think about my children when they are doing things for me or participating with me, I don't care if they are perfect. I don't care mm-hmm. if they are. Achieving at a high level, I'm just so delighted that they are participating mm. with me, they're coming alongside me. Um, you know, you think about when a baby is first learning to walk and you cheer like you've never cheered before after they take mm-hmm. two steps and then fall down. And I think, oh wow, that's how the Lord is looking at us and our contributions to the kingdom, He's not saying, Well, you know, your form was kind (laughs) of off on that. So I'm not going to give you another shot. Like he picks Mm -hmm. you back up and he says, great job, you know, keep going. We're going to, you know, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to figure this out. You're eventually going to walk and then you're going to run. And I think it's changed a lot of my perspective, um, and taken away some of my anxieties of um, participating in the kingdom um, and doing kind of the, the Christian work, which is great because in parent, you know, I think one of the biggest ways in which we participate in the kingdom as moms or parents, caregivers in any form is with our children. But man, do I feel like I fall on my face a lot, just like a little mm-hmm, baby, yeah. you know, and just remembering that the Lord is not saying, well, you've really messed it up this time, but he's cheering me along for the, you know, couple of baby steps I took in terms of, you know, doing Mm -hmm. this parenting thing well or whatever.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay. um, How does the gospel shape the way we view our challenges as parents? The things that are like on our hard days and the things that we come up against that are just very challenging. Parenting is not an easy task. It's one of the hardest things. You know, we tell our kids often God's gifts are both good and hard you know, some of his best gifts, you know, marriage is good and hard. Parenting is good and hard. Stewardship, stewarding his gifts are good and hard. So all that to say, what about the gospel shapes um, the way that you kind of face those challenges?
2: I think one of the low hanging fruits is recognizing that the gospel is both already and not yet. It's once and ongoing. And so a lot of how the gospel has shaped my parenting is, um, Recognizing every opportunity or challenging or challenge rather as a time to think about what the Lord's doing in me. Because I think we can be thinking a lot about our children and their issues and their sin struggles when we're in a tense moment and sometimes forget about our own in the middle of that and recognize that their tantrums are not only an opportunity for me to speak the gospel over them, but for me to speak the gospel over me because of how much it'll affect me or the feelings that it brings up in me or um, the patience that I need to practice. You know, I thought I was a really patient person until I was a mother. I thought I was really sanctified. You know? I thought I had a lot of stuff figured out. That's a big piece of it. And, and the grace that I need to speak over them, I also need to speak over myself and vice versa. Mm-hmm. The grace I speak over myself, I also need to speak over them because I think I can get really mm-hmm. focused sometimes on obedience. I think it was a common thing that, I don't know, I felt like it was kind of in the water that obedience is super, super important. And it is, it certainly is. But God thinks that grace is as important, more important. And so I want that to be the case for my children too. I want them to, I don't want them to hear at home that obedience is the most important thing, and then to try to go to church and hear that grace is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know that um, God's grace came through obedience. God doesn't set obedience aside. Um, but figuring that out as sort of like a human parent is tricky. Um, but honestly, I've found that it's it starts with the grace I speak over myself, because I'm just, I'm so inclined to beat myself up um, for... Mm-hmm not doing things right or not being patient enough or, you know, the list goes on and on and on and on. And so if I speak grace over myself, I am more able to speak grace over them. And that is really where I, that's where I want to go. That's what the
0: gospel teaches me about how parenting should be shaped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I think about the way the gospel shapes the challenges we face as moms, I think there's one kind of challenge in parenting that's a constant decision-making of um, how do I dis- my cl- discipline my kids? Do I, do I spank them or do I put them in timeout? Or do, do we watch TV or do we, do we eat any carbs? Or, you know, you have all these decisions to make. How am I going to teach them to tie their shoes? Those, those are challenges that parenthood brings. And then the other challenge that's constant that the gospel can set us free from is the constant measuring myself up. Am I a good mom? Am I doing this well? Um, do I need to beat myself up because I'm doing it poorly? Um, and we we see that all the time. I think especially strong for moms, but I know dads can experience that too. Um, the guilt of, of working a lot and feeling like they're away from their kids. And then when they're with their kids, feeling like maybe they're a bad employee in some ways. You know, I think we all face that challenge of constantly wanting to measure ourselves up. And the gospel, I need the reminder all the time because I don't feel like I just accepted it one day and then bought it completely, but the gospel is able to set us free from that constant measuring of, mm-hmm. should, I, should I kick myself a little more for how bad I'm doing? Do I need to compare myself to the way someone else is doing it, beating myself up? And we've talked about this before, sometimes if a woman says to another, a bunch of other women, you know, I just feel like I'm a bad mom this week, or or, I've been a mad mom for a long time. And a lot of other women, even in Christian circles, will pat her on the back and say, no, 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 you're a good mom. And, And the reality is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're so set free from it mattering. Your love is not on the line. Your worth is not on the line. You're set free to to be entrusted with this kid. Try your best. Obviously, we want to seek to obey and honor, honor the Lord, but you are so set free um, mm. from your worth being tied up in how you yeah. handle the challenges of motherhood. What
1: comes to mind to me is like, uh, the gospel means we can ask for forgiveness. And so like we get to model something for our kids that, you know, unbelieving parents maybe are not as, prone or as quick to model. And I know that even for my generation um, growing up, I don't have a lot of friends or even myself that remember our, our parents apologizing or asking for forgiveness or modeling kind of that, even asking God for forgiveness. And so... And we've talked about this before on the podcast about repenting and doing that in front of our children so they can see because kids are so good at like sniffing out any hypocrisy or like mismatched values with what we say we believe, but what you know, how our lives are actually being lived out. And so to get to model forgiveness, both by asking them to forgive us when we're wrong, but also inviting them to ask us for forgiveness and letting them know that we will forgive them. and. And also to, to be asking God for forgiveness, that is offered to us because of Christ. We can forgive one another because Christ has forgiven us. And, and I just think that is, I mean, as a sinner who is doing her best, as a parent, I think asking for forgiveness and apologizing
3: <laughs> is probably one of my favorite things the gospel has afforded me.
0: That's a, that's a good word.
3: Hey friends, it's March and that means Easter is right around the corner. In fact, Easter is in March this year it's part of the reason i'm pumped to tell you about one of our sponsors who's got a really special easter deal this is a great time to get some new resources to disciple your family our friends over at lithos kids are having an easter basket sale they've got the brand new little pilgrims big journey complete box set it's now available guys i can't tell you how much i love this resource Go check it out today, lithoskids.com, and remember the promo, Family 10, to get 10% off your entire order. Hey, listeners, we live in a world where anxiety, depression, and weariness seem to be the basic descriptors of our lives. For many of us, our calendars and our plates are overfull, yet our lives still lack joy. But it doesn't have to be this way. Jesus invites you to have true and abundant joy that's only found in Him. In John 15, Jesus reveals three very surprising pathways to finding this type of joy. You can discover these pathways in the new book, Overflowing Joy, by author and Bible teacher Tara Dew. This is available at Lifeway.com and you can save 40% off with the code JOY40. Again, that's J-O-Y, the number four, the number zero. At Lifeway.com, the new book is Overflowing Joy by Tara Dew. Check it out. (laughs)
0: um all right ladies I want to know from both of you what are some truths about God that have been foundational for you in your household and uh some I want to hear the truths of God that have sustained you in some of your hardest moments ready go (laughs) well this one is kind of an easy one for me to speak to um because the
2: last two and a half years have been really really hard for our family we've had a lot of difficult things that we've had to go through and um you can have really hard parenting moments and challenges that are sort of outside of family suffering, but in the middle of family suffering, it makes parenting um, extremely difficult and mm-hmm. challenging. And so, well, for context, so two and a half years ago, I was pregnant with our third child, and woke up in an excruciating amount of pain. And um, long story short, found out that I was leaking brain fluid um, from my spine. And so I spent about nine months pretty much in bed with um, a pain that is out of this world. There's no no words really for mm-hmm.
1: um,
2: that amount of pain. And so I was incapable of parenting my children. Um, and I'd had all of these hopes for these kind of last six months before our third kid was born that I was going to take this time to be with my children and um, Um, To, you know, soak up the time with my daughters before our son arrived and, and then that totally changed. And then, of course, we've all had, you know... Challenges with the pandemic. That's certainly um, something that's put all of us, I think, on the back foot and and driven up all sorts of different things to to deal with. And my family was no different in that. Um, But then, kind of just to add some icing on the cake, about six months ago, my husband was in um, a really terrible ski accident and was um, care flighted out of where we were and almost died. And um, it was a really, really Dark forty eight hours for us um, before he got through to the other side of surgery, and while that was sort of a short lived thing in terms of the danger, the recovery from that was significant. Mm-hmm. And so, in a lot of ways, I think my family um, were just reco- we're just kind of getting on the other side. Um, it was um, it really cut to the quick. I think in a in a really profound way, recognizing um, or really making you think about what what is life about. But I think that the biggest thing in those moments was wrestling with the truth of, is God in charge of everything? Because I really believe that that's true. But when you're facing profound suffering, you have to answer that question in a really different way. Yeah, It hits different when you are not sure what the next moment is going to bring for you and for your family. And it hits different when you're counting a lot of loss. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the biggest thing that I had to go back to was remembering that we were created to love God for who He is and not just for what He gives. Mm -hmm. And so that means that I can trust that God is good even when what He's giving me doesn't feel good. Because if I only love God when he gives me good things or I only believe that he is good when he does good that I can see, mm-hmm. you know, then I'm really becoming beholden to his hand and not his face. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, want to, I want to love God for who he is, you know, no matter what, what he's giving. And I want to believe and trust that what he gives is good even when I can't see the good or that mm-hmm. he, is, he can take anything and make it good and that's Mm -hmm. the story of joseph you know that what um what you intended for evil god has intended for good and so remembering that he can create purpose out of anything even those things that are awful because true suffering is different in many ways than than trials um you know we, we experience a lot of trials in parenting But when we really come face to face with the senselessness of suffering, I think it makes us ask the question of, is God in charge of everything and is God good in a different way? Um, Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, he never
1: promises that the fire and the water won't come. No, he promises the opposite. I mean, He like we teach in kids ministry when we go through the promises curriculum that, you know, God promises his children will suffer and his love will sustain them. And we talk about how... I mean, if we don't see that in the Bible, we're not reading the same Bible, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, we've got Job, you've got David, you have—I mean, our boy—you've got Paul. I mean, he had he had some hard shipwrecked with a thorn in his side, (laughs) yeah. And so, for—I mean, it's always when suffering comes, and I feel it's similar to you, Caroline. I think some of the—I don't know—just the things we've clinged to in the midst of hard times. It's just, okay, this should not, A, could, should not catch us off guard as much as it does. Um, it, you know, and I think we're a little coddled maybe um, in our society. Uh, we have things maybe, we'll we definitely have things easier than believers around the world. But uh, when suffering comes to to trust that His love is strong enough to sustain us and that nothing will separate us from His love, no matter, no matter the doubts that we have, the questions, the fears, and we think about Job's words and how strong he comes at God with his questions and and how God in his kindness rebukes him and and shows him his love and um, even in the rebuke. And, and so it's just like, I think all that to say, one of my favorite things about who God is in the midst of hard times is that he, um, I don't have to hide my anger or fear or questions mm-hmm. from him, but he yeah. can handle it. And so we get, we can take those to him and, you know, um, and we can put these in the show notes, but Beth Bernard, Bethany Bernard or Dylan, I think it's Bernard, Beth, I think she's going by Bernard um, on her album. She's got a new album called All My Questions and it is, it kind of walks through the grief of losing her father last year and just her doubts and her questions, struggle with mental health. And it's just so beautiful. And she talks about um, how we just, as a church, we don't talk enough about doubt or lament and suffering and the realities that like God does promise that we will come up against those things and we will lose, we will lose things in this life that will be incredibly painful. And when that happens, we can be prepared to suffer well. And so I think that there are deposits we make in in the good seasons uh, where there's plenty, the harvest is plenty to prepare us for the really difficult seasons. That's
0: good. That's good. For me, I think about the the foundational truths that we teach actually at both of our churches. You know, the what we teach to kids, Caroline, kind of like you're talking about, boiling down big truths to children. Man, that's been so good for my heart over the years. Um, the what we teach at our churches for our listeners is that God is in charge of everything, that God is good, that Jesus came to save sinners, uh, that God made everything, and that God wants to talk with us. And uh, honestly, those have all been really helpful for me. Yeah, thank you. I nailed it. Uh, it was a really good volunteer. You did nail it. I was yeah. so proud of you. Yeah, I volunteer and check-in. So, I earned one of those pairs of socks that has the five foundational truths. <laughs> no big deal. Yeah. Very big I, deal. Those are all worth clinging on to. What I love about uh, uh, yeah. teaching those to our kids and at our church is that those are easy to understand at a young age and they are profoundly true all the way through your life. So Mm -hmm. yeah, just hanging on to the idea that God's in charge of everything. And we explain that to our kids in hard times and things that are tricky to understand. Um, In the past year, obviously Mm -hmm. there've been a lot of things on the news that we've had to sit down with our kids and show them what's going on. Um, In Afghanistan or at the um, United States Capitol, uh, violence from police to um, African-Americans. You know, We've had to explain some of these things in a lot of what we're dealing with we take it back to our foundational truth what are we clinging on to and so those have been really powerful for our family yeah
1: that's what drew me to children's ministry in the first place was I was at a time in my life where I was kind of like studying I think that I feel like the village gave out Wayne Grudem's systematic theology to all of its members and membership class and my roommate and I were reading through it at the time and I was we were up at night like till late in the hours like talking about all the different things you know and i would go and volunteer with kids on sunday this is when i was still volunteering and it would it would just those truths surface like you know all the other stuff kind of washes away and it's not that it's not important theology is important that's why we're here but those like simple truths they're the things you know when the world is kind of falling apart around you that really tend to surface and you're kind of like it's kind of like your rescue rope you know you're hanging on to it yeah
2: well i think we have a tendency to feel like there is this like we can pit sort of the, quote, simple truths, you know, of children's ministry against maybe like the the deeper stuff of um, academic theology or the adult classes, if you will. But they aren't, they aren't different. You know, the gospel mm-hmm. is a puddle shallow enough for a child um, and deep enough for an elephant to swim in at the same time. And sometimes the simplest truths are the most profound, you know. And if we're teaching children things that aren't profound to us as adults— that don't make us as adults stop Mm. and think and ponder, then we're teaching kids the wrong things. Because what we're teaching, what we're trying to do with our children is teach them something that's true and that they can remember, but that will stick with them and guide them for the rest of their life. And to say that God is in charge of everything is simple enough for a child to wrap your head around. But what truth is more complex and more profound than that? Mm -hmm. you know it's sure it's simple but i think that we can make light of those things um and then when you're up against um you're up against true challenges or true suffering or true issues or true wrestles within your own heart then you realize that saying that god is in charge of everything is anything but simple you know
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely all right if you could give any brand new parent theological advice what would you say
2: Chelsea, you meet a lot of
0: new moms. What do you, what would you say? What do you say? (laughs) I I met, I met so many brand new moms last night. Not one of them asked me for (laughs) theological advice. Shocking. Weird. Um, I know they were all busy. No, if I could give a bit, I would, I think I would practically tell them, hold your baby. You can hold your baby all you want. Don't feel like you can. You can hold your baby as much as you want. And that makes me think of the incarnational ministry of Christ, right? A big part of his mm-hmm. ministry was just his presence, living life with his people mm-hmm. um, and and being a, you know, a real friend and a good son and a good brother, right? And um, for the brand new moms who are stressing about all the decisions and all the things to think about, I wanna set them free from thinking that it's uh, harder than it is and say, hold your baby, hang out with your baby all day long, don't feel bad. Don't worry about the laundry or the dishes or anything else. Just hang out with your kid. That's it. What about you, Caroline? Oh, man, I would
2: totally piggyback off of that. I think you said that well, thinking about the incarnational ministry of Christ. I think I, well, I would have a lot to say to new moms. I have decided, you know, in my future life, when I have more free time, I want to be a doula. That's my... um my future goal. But I kind of need to finish this third degree first, you know? Y'all don't really want to be tired.
0: You just mean that y- you felt like being around for childbirth was breathtaking and it was an adrenaline rush. Exactly. But trust me, you don't want to be on call for somebody. It could be a 12-hour labor, or a 36-hour labor. You don't know that. You know what I mean? Who's going to come relieve you? Nobody. So should I be an L&D nurse so I yes. can clock in and clock out? Is yes, that- clock out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some people are crazy and you got to know that. Like. The sun's going to come up and some other nurse is going to come and relieve you. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair.
2: That's fair. I really, well, I think, here's the deal. I'm I'm not going to be able to be an L&D nurse because science and math are not my specialty. But mm. theological sort of counseling and guidance are. But I do agree with you. Maybe we need like a doula system where you can clock in and clock out or tap. So maybe me and Cassie can, can partner. We can do 12-hour we'll shifts.
0: shifts. Yeah. yeah just go yeah, yeah. watch right. exciting so. videos about childbirth. I, I actually have
2: done that sometimes.
0: See, <laughs> I, I do, it do that.
2: If <laughs> you watch the, you're like videos of people like giving birth all by themselves, and then I feel also a little bit concerned about the state of the world. And anyway, so going back to what I would say if I were a doula, or sometimes when I get on my soapbox in the nursing room at church, you know that that season of being a new mom, I had already, I'd gone to seminary at that point, and so I'd already kind of gone down the theology nerd. You know, train or whatever. That was that ship had long sailed. I was I was full, full fledged uh, theology nerd, but it was such a rich time of seeing God differently and seeing myself differently. And I think the biggest thing that I would encourage women to is the same thing that you just said, Chelsea. That you are embodying Christ for this child, and that's a lifelong call. You are embodying Christ for this child, and that relates to everything about how you treat this child, not just holding them or not just the truths that you teach them, but also holding them and also making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every single day forever and ever and cleaning it up, you know, 500 million times when it's on the floor and remembering that you get to image God for these children in the way that you provide for them, in the way that you counsel them, in the way that you love them, that you're getting to help wire their brains Um, As you care for them and the way that you respond to them after they get hurt teaches them something about the father. And I think that we can make light of some of the smaller aspects of motherhood, but it's in those sort of incarnational, very physical, tangible things that we are doing some of the most important incarnational work in terms of embodying Christ. And so I think that's maybe like the biggest thing, but there are a couple of other things that I would tell women or that I feel really passionate about too. Then again, what do I not feel passionate about? But the other thing in that kind of related to that is, um, this is a Ted Lasso quote. I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. Um, Be curious, (laughs) not judgmental, be curious. I think it's so easy as a mom in sort of the mom community to get on autopilot and you just keep going. It's like, okay, everybody is doing this, so I'm just going to do that. And everyone's doing this in terms of kids' activities and everyone is, um, you know, doing this in terms of kids' scheduling or nursing or whatever. And I think just giving women the freedom to say, be curious take a step back out of the autopilot and you don't have to do everything exactly the same as everybody else. You can um, ask the Lord what He would have for you to do and you can try to see how all of these things fit together and you don't have to do stuff just because everybody else is doing it. But at the same time, we want to... Balance individualism and the community. You know, like I think sometimes we can get on this like
1: mm-hmm.
2: my faith is my own kind of thing, and um, I I feel really passionate that we are to read the Bible for ourselves, but never by ourselves. And so to find that tension between making your own decisions, but also walking in community, I think mm-hmm. is really important. And just to to hold those two kind of foundational points out, as you. Journey forward through this roller coaster of parenting, I think, um, are really important guardrails.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I think I would tell a new parent two things that one, it feels like death because it is, it's death Mm -hmm. to self. Mm -hmm. That especially motherhood in those first few months, it's just like self denial, it's all the things, but also it's kind of walking the tension of not letting it consume you like holy and becoming an idol and all consuming your thoughts and your, and that is, it feels impossible to even give that. I I would imagine feeling very frustrated if I was a new mom and someone told that, but I would like to give, you know, a practical tip for that. And I just think that that's prayer. And I did not pray enough as a new mom. And that's something I would go back and just plead with myself, just, you know, pray all day long, pray with all, you know the time that you do have and pray as you fall asleep and pray as you feed the baby and pray as you change diapers. But it just really like fixes your eyes and even like grows your own mind theologically to pray through scripture or grab every moment holy as a a liturgy book or grab a valley of vision or praying scripture for your children. I mean, there's so many different resources for prayer. It just kind of fixes your eyes on God and this being like, you know, God's work in you, God's work in your child in your family, and also like remembering He's attentive and He cares about you. And otherwise it can just, you feel like you're just swimming in like all of the decisions and all of the tiredness and your identity is totally different, but it's also still the same. And anyway, so all that to say it, like it kind of lean into the death to self because it's like, you're becoming more like Christ in that. And you, I mean, you're becoming more sacrificial and And that, but also kind of walk that tension of not totally falling in and and becoming so consumed as a mother with your child that you become that mom. And we all know that mom that has become all, it's all consumed her, you know?
0: Sure. No judgment, just curiosity. No, just curious. Exactly. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious about that. Just let me tell me about that. Quick question for both of y'all: um, What scriptures come to mind that you think would really bless moms and dads? What what verses come come up when you think about parenting? So this might be unconventional, but I think thinking about how Jesus wept
2: mm. that just the you know we used to make a joke in youth group about being the shortest verse in the Bible, but recognizing that Jesus wept has really blessed me in thinking about how he cares for our emotional um, situations. He knew Mm -hmm. that he was about to raise Lazarus and he also knew that Lazarus would die again and yet he raised him anyway. But he met Mary and Martha right there in their grief. And I think that for me, that reminds me that God meets me in my grief. So much of parenting really is grieving them, kind of, it's celebrating, but it's also grieving. They're they're growing up and they're leaving you, you know, and that's a, it's a long, slow loss. And so I think about the Lord meeting me there or meeting me in the different challenges and, and pain points of parenting that God cares and He, he weeps with me. But I think also it um, casts a vision for me to think about um, if that's how Jesus met Mary and Martha, then how can I meet my children in that same way and weep with them?
0: that's good that's good That's good. what about you kath
1: yeah it's hard to pick one i'm going to choose one that we are learning right now as a family and one of our kids is memorizing it for school so typically we spend a lot of time in the text that they're memorizing and it's ephesians six ten. and right now we're going through 15 but we're talking about the full armor of god putting it on and just thinking about as a parent how how important that is that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood like the things our hopes that are wrapped up for our kids they are eternal. They're very spiritual and they're not, they are not of flesh and blood. And so to put on that armor, to teach our kids to put on that armor is just such a, I'm just so glad that God has brought us there this year specifically because there have been things that we have needed this text for. And so also as your kids get older, it's just a lot of fun because you can actually like, you know, play with boots of peace and, you know helmets and belts and whatever <laughs> shields um so it's also like a fun children's ministry text where you can you can play and they can learn that but it is so applicable to me as a mom as I'm preparing for my day and just trusting the Lord to protect protect me and protect our home our home and our family
0: awesome that's good yeah what about you Chelsea? oh I came across something recently in the NLT that just like, I think I just hadn't read it in these exact words. And it just like, I just stopped and I like cried, man. Um, It's from Mark chapter one, where Jesus is getting baptized when he comes out of the water. Uh, This is how it's worded in, in this translation. Verse 11, it says, And a voice from heaven said, You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And it blew me away because I thought, one, like, I have no problem looking at my sons and telling them, you bring me so much joy. Like, that's real, mm. right? But the thought of of Jesus, like achieving that, re- that same relationship with God the Father for me, that, that mm. because my sin's taken away, that God could look at me and say like, you're my dearly loved daughter and you just bring me so much joy. Like, if I heard God say that out loud to me or about me to a bunch mm. of other people, I would be so freaking pumped. You know what I mean? I would be so pumped, right? And when you think about like when you get praise or affirmation from somebody that means something to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. If God was like, I but it's real. But yeah, I mean he says that. He's he just says, You're my dearly loved son. You bring me great joy. You bring me someone and I'm like, we would say that to our kids all the time. But I kind of like cringe mm. at the thought of thinking that about myself in God's eyes. And um, mm-hmm. and so that's that is just a a sweet blessing to me in parenting, just thinking that I can assure my kids of that. Like, and I know God the Father sees you like this because I see you like this. I see you as a joy and a blessing. That's how I see my sons. And so mm. um, trying to help them understand the the status that they have with God the Father um, through Christ, that they are a source of joy, that they're a treasure um, to God the Father. So just love that. Mm. We're coming to a close of this conversation, guys. But even though we could all go on forever and ever, that's what's missing when Adam's here. Adam's the one who really just reins it in on the time factor. I know. But he really, <laughs> yeah. He He like, like, will interrupt us if we're talking for too long. And oh, that's my life. We love you, you know? Adam. Way to keep us on track. Yeah. I'd, I'd be late for a flight right now somewhere. I don't know how, but you know, that man gets us <laughs> to, the air, to the airport on time. So we're hoping that this podcast serves our listeners uh, really well. And we want to, um, also throw out some resources for moms um, who either want to pursue theology or um, if there's other resources you ladies think of as children's ministers, stuff like that, that can be really helpful for moms. Let's throw some of those out here. So Caroline, resources for moms who want to pursue theology. What you got?
2: Yeah, I think um, the biggest resource that I would push you to is to involvement in your local church because I think that um, we can read a lot of books, but the thing that's shaped my theology the most is having different opportunities whether to lead a small group or to teach or to have to just articulate out loud, say something out loud. Even if I'm not leading a small group, just being in a small group and being asked a question. I think those things have shaped me more than any particular books. So I would first of all encourage you to take advantage of whatever resources your local church has. And if you happen to be at Eastside in our church um, I would say, you know, not only do we have Bible study, but we also have Forge. And so I know that um, the Village Church also has different theological training programs. They have the training program. And then um, if your church has something like that, I think I would encourage you to say, hey, this isn't just, um, you can do this and be a mom, um, first and foremost. And then in terms of actual books, You know, there's such a wide range. Um, I would start with books, Jen Wilkins' books. They are fantastic for giving you kind of an entry-level framework for thinking about reading scripture theologically. Um, I also like Nancy Guthrie's books. There are, oh, you know, I really love to share some Warren's Liturgy of the Ordinary for thinking about how we embody Christ in kind of a daily form. And so that one's really Mm -hmm. helpful in that sense. And then I think there's some other different kind of you can do like Proclaim Truth Conference, I I think really highly of, or um, if you want to start moving into some bigger books and depending on what you feel ready for, um, Drama of Scripture is a really important book for helping understand the story of Scripture. And um, if you're really ready for kind of a, we call them broccoli books, you know, the books that are, might be challenging but are good for you, I h- cannot recommend enough, Delighting in the Trinity by um, Michael Reeves. And so... Oh, that's that a broccoli? One, well, I don't that's know. A, it depends that's like on... a super, that's an accessible read, I feel like. It's short. Well, I just want to be, you know, I don't want to dumb things down, but I also, nothing is worse than when someone tells you, oh, this book is great. And then you pick it up and you're like, holy moly, I'm having to use the dictionary, every other, yeah. which I you don't have to do with delighting in the Trinity. But um, it's a really fantastic book that will change how you think it about is. God.
1: So those are yeah. a few
2: places to start.
1: And he just came out with a new one uh, about the fear of God. Mm, it's got the word "tremble" in it. I'll have to look it up, but the author's <laughs> name is Michael Reeves. Uh, so you can just also, I'm sure anything he's written is good. And then Gloria Furman, I love Gloria Furman. Anything she's written on motherhood, I think is beautiful and pastoral. It just has served. It served me really well early in parenting and mothering. And we give her book out uh, the labor. Labor with Hope book its meditations and devotions uh, for pregnancy and then for having a newborn and she's just great so anything she's written I would recommend
0: awesome thanks ladies well Caroline before we let you go would you mind sharing with us what are the prayers you have for your kids right now and if our listeners want to pray for Caroline Smiley and her family what can they ask God for on your behalf yeah thank
2: you Um, I think the biggest thing that I'm praying for for my kids is emotional regulation that's something that maybe not just my kids but Also, their mother (laughs) um, is in great need of, but we have, we have big feelings in our household and learning to manage those big feelings is um, a challenge for all of us. So that's kind of the big thing. And then um, one of my kids has a particular challenge, which um, is her story, but it is, it's a lot for us to navigate. And so I would just love um, if you wanted to kind of pray for my daughter's particular challenge, that would be really helpful for us. Um, So we, we recognize that what, what one of us is um, gifted with, even when it's suffering or challenged with is not just for that one individual in the family, but for the whole Mm. family. And one person's challenge can really, you know, make things heavy and hard for, for all of us. So, but above all, yeah, just those big feelings, if prayers, prayers, thoughts, concerns, extra coffee, (laughs) and that would be great.
1: Uh, Well, we thank God for you, Caroline Smiley. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning. Love y'all. If you want to join the conversation, you can find the Family Discipleship Podcast on social media. Thanks for listening. And if you think it's as important as we do to disciple our families, give us a great review wherever you listen to podcasts and share this episode with one of your friends.